looked fear straight in the eye time and time again with each of her businesses. And she has always been this supportive backbone for her family. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, AAPI, is observed in the United States during the month of May, and it recognizes the contributions and influences of great Asian Americans and Pacific Island Americans to the history culture, and the achievements of our country. So many have worked diligently for this American dream and to continue to pave the way for so many people. We're honored to be able to celebrate our heritage, our Asian heritage. Considering that it is AAPI, you're all gonna be in for a special treat. Yes, I said treat. My twin and I are honored to have Mele Tao join Twins Talk It Up. Mele is LA's self-proclaimed donut princess. She's owned several businesses, including Donut Princess Los Angeles, a donut bouquet delivery concept. She's also the host of her own podcast entitled Short and Sweet, a donut princess podcast, where she explores mindset, women empowerment, and provides insight and tips for small business owners. Her family was also featured and the Donut King documentary. Many of us have seen it on Hulu. Some of you have traveled across the country. You've probably seen it on the planes, but you can stream and watch this incredible documentary about her family. She strives to elevate Asian American voices and and represent young, talented entrepreneurs. She also vows to care on her mother's hope for the next generation of leaders and has recently released a book that we're gonna dive into. But before we get there, Mele, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. Thank you for the warm welcome. I'm so excited. I'm finally here. <laughs> this is Danny. I'm equally excited. I, I, when I talked to David and David told me that you'll be on, I, it goes all the way back to the documentary. It goes back to the book that Dave said we were going to talk about. But I will tell you, if anybody has been to LA, more than likely you have visited DK Donuts. More than likely. And I have my favorites. David has his favorites. We'll argue and you'll validate which donut has sold the most to make sure we win this argument. But we'll talk about that later. But what was the life of donut royalty really like? What was it growing up? What was it like growing up in the family business? And I say this because many children will learn the craft, will help relatives, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers help run their business. But as soon as they get their shot to leave, they go. Why are you different? Why did you decide to stay and build this up? 
Well, it wasn't until I was a little bit older in my late to mid twenties that I realized that I was part of donut royalty. So growing up, I grew up just like any other donut kid where you automatically help your parents at the donut shop. So what that consisted of was going to work at 5 a.m., working on the weekends, selling my softball chocolates with the regulars, and really just the donut shop was just always a part of my life. You know, my, my dad would pick me up from school and we'd go straight to Costco to get supplies. And then we'd go back to the shop and everything that we did was surrounded our business. Even like my daycare was just at the business. And so that's kind of my childhood when I think about, you know, being donut royalty, you don't really know. It was only until I started to do more research to my my own uncle, where my family never really talked about him in a great light. And because, you know, if you guys have seen the documentary, my great uncle Ted, he's literally a donut tycoon. He opened up hundreds of donut shops for Cambodian refugees. However, he ended up gambling and losing all of it. And the reason why my parents didn't really want me to know about him was because of his gambling tendencies. But once I learned about it, I was like, wait, this I'm related to this man. Like, this is so essential to my journey of operating DK's Donuts and claiming my title as Donut Princess. If he's the Donut King, then I'm the Donut Princess. Well, this is David Melee, and I want to ask this as a follow up to that. When you grow up in an environment where all you know is work, 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 and you get this image of what it means to be a part of this incredible family dynasty royalty you can say what you want we're going to go into a little bit more of why your uncle did this and how it helped support so many families that were coming over but what were some of the highs of being in that environment what were some of the challenges that you felt growing up in an environment where all you did know or at least all you knew was the family business there are plenty of highs and lows when you're an entrepreneur, especially when it's your family business. I would say the, the lows were definitely surrounded by when somebody didn't show up for work for a graveyard shift and someone had to cover. On top of that, someone who didn't show up for a morning or afternoon shift. So now you've got a 24 hour window to, to really cover all of that. Um, the lows could be, you know, an inventory shortage with the pandemic happening. There were so many disruptions in the supply chain. We just had to deal with it. You just have to, you, you know, it has to go on. It's a 24 hour business. Some other lows were seeing, you know, my family kind of being stuck in this old school way of operating business and having those fights with them of trying to be like, no, like, I really think we should do this. But me being the youngest in the family, you know, nobody's going to really listen to me. They're like, oh, Melee, you're just, you know, a little girl that runs around uh, on top of that. I'm a, I'm a woman as well. So, you know, the men definitely have the say in the family. So I'd say those are just a few of some of the lows that I had to deal with. Some of the highs, I mean, having the documentary come out was definitely a huge high, even though it came out right as the pandemic happened, just knowing that millions of people out there have known our history, uh, got a little slice of understanding the significance of donuts to the Cambodian community. Um, that was definitely the highlight. Um, some other highs are just being a, a role model for people. You know, people come up to me and they're like, I'm so inspired by you. And I'm like, me, what did I do? And they're like, just the things that you're doing in your life, you know? And 
Um, I think the most rewarding thing too is having my community really recognize that, that I'm constantly trying to, yes, be a business owner, but also in so many ways give back. And I think that's the high is being able to be in a position to to do that. I think that being born here in America in a time where there was no war was, you know, it, I, I'm so grateful for that every day. And it gives me no excuse to continue doing my best and serving my community. This is Danny. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you talked about the dynamics of working with family and some of the nuances when it comes to being a woman, working with the men and they having to say, but one of the things I thought was really fascinating is that you stuck firm. You had your mother welcomed your ideas. She was um, open to your thoughts. And you were able to take those new age thoughts to really elevate the business to the next level. You set out the strength of the brand. You built the brand. You built the brand identity. You did social media. You leveraged the power of networking. All these things, your mother embraced you for your creativity in order to revolutionize the business. So tell our audience a little bit, how were you able to convince her and how were you able to show your mother a different way of doing business so she could be an ally with you in order to take this to the next level? Oh man, I'm going to tell you right now, it was not a pretty time where I was trying to convince her to do business. If it's anything about an old school Asian business person, they only stick to what works. Okay, this works. We're not going to change it. We're going to keep it that way for 20, 30 years. Now, when I stepped in, I remember graduating UCSD, um, not finding the job that I wanted and coming out and being like, oh, okay, I'm back in LA. My mom's like, hey, you know, I need your help. So she she thought that I was just gonna work there, um, you know, you know, clock in, clock out, you know, just just show up and and be like a placeholder. But I definitely had a bigger vision now that I've gone to school and traveled abroad. And so I remember, you know, like just imagine like a, a showcase of donuts, and like I'm just like I have my hand there, and I'm like, oh man, I was like, what am I doing back here? And I was like, well, you know what? I can make a splash. Like this doesn't have to be just like something I show up to. It could be something that I like leave a legacy for, you know? And my vision was, I wanted everyone to know about mm. DK's donuts. And what do I do with that? So when you're dealing with a small business, most of the time there is no marketing budget. Okay. So there's no advertisements we're running, you know, there we get um, approached by like traditional advertisements. No, like we don't have any money for that. Everything, all the money was used to support my brother and I and my family. So, you know, when you ask me about what are the ways that you can convince your dragon mom, how to change things when she's a really serious business person, this is what I would do. I would really initiate the idea. So let's say the Instagram, for example, I started the Instagram when there was zero followers, zero anything. And I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to start this Instagram for, for DK. She's like, what's Instagram. I'm like, well, just kind of think of it as like this, this like place where you can tell people about the, the types of donuts you're offering or what you're up to. 
nobody else is doing it right now. Nobody else has a dedicated page where we get to tell not just one person, we could tell like thousands of people what we're up to at one time. And she didn't really, really believe me until, you know, the followers started going up and like people started coming in being like, oh, I saw, I was following you on Instagram and I'm finally here. Oh, I'm from Germany. And like, I, you know, I've been, I, I've been following your Instagram. I know your story. It wasn't until like she saw like actual, you know, changes come in where she's like, okay. And then she started being like, okay, post that on Instagram. I'm like, I did it. I got through to her. So that's just one of the things that I've had to really fight her on. The other thing was the half croissant, half donut. So ah. if you guys don't know, there was a huge craze in 2013 mm-hmm. and it was, you know, the, the cronut phase. I create my, my cronut. The cronut. So for those of you who don't know, it originated in New York. And I had a few friends who lived there and they're like, Hey, there's this crazy phenomenon happening. There's this half croissant, half donut piece. If you can figure out how to make it, I feel like people in LA would love it. And I was like, okay. So I go up to my mom, like, Hey mom, there's, I got this great idea. And I tell her about it. And she looks at me and she's like, no. And I'm like, no mom, like, can we just try to like, you know, create a recipe and put it on the shelves and just see what happens. Isn't that what you tell me? Like, if you, you, you don't try, you don't know. And then, you know, she kind of was just like, "Eh." so we put together a recipe and it didn't really sell for the first, like a few, first few weeks. And she, she gave me an ultimatum. If I don't sell 20 per day, we're getting rid of this thing. So I had to be like, okay, how am I going to do this? So you know, I was reaching out to a bunch of um, press and just literally giving people samples because that's how you're going to know it's good. Finally, you know, a writer at Thrillist was able to come and write an article and the donut business for us hasn't been the same since that moment. And really, it's just like, I have to propose the idea, give a little bit of like how we're going to do it and then try it. And when she sees results, she believes in it. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. Greetings, incredible leaders and listeners. This is Danny Suk Brown, the co-host and one half of the Twins Talk It Up program. And I want to share a special announcement with you. Do you want to improve or master your communication and presentation skills? Do you want to overcome your fear of speaking? What could be the impact from you improving your public speaking skills? Could your value increase 15, 30, or even 50%? Can your potential income and salary increase as well? If you have ever asked yourself any of these questions, then I am pleased to announce that my identical twin brother and I have released our first book. And the book is entitled, Talk It Up, A Guide to Successful Public Speaking. For this month only, on Amazon, there's a special discounted price to celebrate the launch of our new book. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced speaker, this book will prove to be a great and valuable asset for your professional growth, and it also will increase your influence. Be sure to visit Amazon for the discounted price, available in both paperback and ebook format. 
Not only are we offering Talk It Up, a guide to successful public speaking at a special price, we will be giving away a copy of our listeners. So, how do you get one of our copies? You must listen to our Twins Talk It Up podcast. You must comment. And then we will ask you to give a stellar review and reading, and you will get an opportunity to qualify for a free book. This will support our ability to continue to make great content. My twin and I are so thankful for your continued support. We can't wait to hear from how this book is supporting and helping you to reach your goals. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is David Mele, and I'm, I'm cracking up here. I'm laughing for our listening audience out there. If you are listening to this program, you love the content, and you're even more in love with our guests, make sure you subscribe to our episodes. And what I want to ask you, Mele, is interesting because you bring up the cronut, or as you guys labeled it, the D-cronut. And I love that donut. And, and I'll tell you, you have a half croissant, half donut. I mean, it's like marriage in heaven. It's wonderful. And, and before I go into this question I have for you, let's settle this debate. And you can say, what's the most popular donut that you've experienced there at the shop? But my favorite, I don't know what it is, but the maple donuts with the little bacon on top was my absolute favorite. But you can't go wrong with just the glaze, okay? I mean, I, I know you got a little fancy, you start adding little cereal toppings and all that, but you can't go wrong with the maple and you can't go wrong with the regular glaze. I don't know what Dan's gonna say, but it doesn't even qualify. I know that my donut favorites were probably the most popular, am I right? Actually, you're pretty spot on with those types right there. Those are the three heavy hitters. The glazed donut is classic. We would make them three times a day so you could come in and have a fluffy glazed donut. The maple bacon, it was a lot different because we were one of the first ones to make it, but we put a fat slab of crispy yes, bacon. Yes, it was like one big, sl- yep. Yep, so every bite you could have a crunch. Um, and then the cronut was also extremely popular too. So you hit, you hit it right on the nose. So let me ask this because there, I, I did love that it was just one strip of bacon because uh, so many others, they put the crumbled bacons on there. Sometimes they're just soft and weren't even. I felt like I could take as big of a bite to determine how much of the bacon I wanted. It, it was just awesome, that little saltiness, little sweetness. But let's go back to the cronut here or the D cronut because there was a story your mom shared. I heard that once it started taking off, she had an order that was ungodly and it was like crazy to have to fill this order. Tell us about that story and how that also continued to help bond your relationship with your mother. I think that the biggest thing that stressed my mom out was not, not like, not us in the day to day, you know, with our regular customers, but I would attract these big corporations and these big, big orders where, you know, she, she felt really nervous because it was an either a really important event or it was because it was large numbers. So one order in particular, this, uh, the Oracle building in Orange County wanted to order 4,000 maple bacon, half croissant, half donuts. And 
I think her jaw dropped literally when I told her, I was like, can we make this? And she, you know, she goes into logistics mode of how we're going to do everything on top of how busy we are and she's coordinating everything. So, I mean, that, that literally took us like two days to do it. And I remember being in the delivery truck, going over to deliver and be like, I'm so glad this order is over. And they have the 4,000 maple bacon cronuts. That's amazing. And and I can't imagine how tough that was, especially when you mentioned earlier that if there were to be people that couldn't show up to work or if there were supply chain order dis- disruptions, you guys had to still figure out how to make it happen. And my favorite thing was to come into the donut shop early in the morning because that's when the donuts to me were so fresh and melty in my mouth with a cup of coffee. I mean, it was awesome. Um, earlier, you mentioned your uncle, uh, great uncle, Ted, and how he was really the subject of the documentary. And when I looked at the documentary, somebody looked at it and said, well, why do you have to have such a, a sad part of the story? Why do we have to talk about his gambling str- struggles? And but, but the great part of the story, which was beautiful, is his vision for how he came into working at the donut shop, how he came to buying a donut shop. And then this idea of, hey, we could bring in our fellow uh, countrymen all these immigrants can come over, they can escape Cambodia, the genocide there, and we can give them an opportunity to learn how to build their own business. And to me, that's so inspiring about that story. And it's inspiring to be able to see the way even your mother, and this maybe is another topic about arranged marriages, right? I mean, my mother still tried to arrange my marriage, our marriages, but it's interesting to be able to see how that took off. And you mentioned that there was even a shift in how you and your mother and your business was impacted by that. Can you talk a little bit about the documentary and what it did for you? I get a cold call from a Taiwanese American director, Alice. And, you know, she asked me if I have any connection to Ted Noy. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's me. Like that's my great uncle. And, um, you know, in a few weeks we started filming and she followed me around for, you know, around two years. So the documentary for me felt like the opportunity that I could have my family story be out there in the world. I just didn't really know how to do it. And so the Donut King was really that vessel to get there. What that consisted of was, you know, connecting her to um, my uncle Ted. Um, they did some shooting in Cambodia. He came to America. We, he, they followed me around a lot with like the donut events, me being at the shop on national donut day. And, you know, once the, once the donut King was done, unfortunately it was, it was um, released during the pandemic, but we still won a ton of film awards, you know, it's on Hulu. And what that did for our business was it brought in even more people. And now we have people that don't just hear about it because of the donuts, they hear about it because of the story. And so it really brought us more fame, more, more business and uh, more opportunities. So, you know, now I get to speak on behalf of the Cambodian community for first and second generation donut kids. And I get to share a little bit about, you know, what we had to go through in this whole experience. This is Danny. Uh, That's just a fascinating story because I think when we hear stories, what really moves us is stories that touch our heart. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the realness of the story draws us in. And I, I I just love how it was all put together. Due to the success, you and your mother sold DKs. And you've actually pursued other ventures. 
tell our audience a little bit about your other entrepreneurial ventures, some of the businesses you're doing now. And I, I want to say to the audience, look, on Valentine's, you better think about this. You want to get, you love donuts, you love bouquet, we can marry the two together. <laughs> and if you uh, are a gentleman out there and you love something fancy, four wheels, we got something for you too. So tell our audience a little bit more about your new adventures. Yeah, absolutely. So DKs will always continue to be busier and busier. And it came to a point where my mom and I, you know, my mom was ready to retire. I think again, with staff shortages, inventory shortages, and just kind of this whole wave of people not really wanting to work. Um, my mom and I were putting so many hours still at the shop. And, you know, I think for her, she realized, Hey, I got to take care of myself and I'm going to make this move. Of course, for me, I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just built this thing for you. Like, I thought we were going to have it forever. Um, but I really honored her. And I honored that the fact that she was able to be like, okay, I'm ready to take a break. That's very unlike her. You know, she's, she's a tough, she's a tough cookie. She's always making it work. But I think at some point, you know, enough is enough. And so we sold the store and I started to look at what I really wanted to do. You know, I, what's a donut princess without a shop, you know, but for me, it wasn't really ever a about the donuts. Yes, it is, you know, because food is my love language and it's an expression. Um, but you know, for my family, I thought, Hey, I contributed enough and I'm ready to hit the road for myself. So as of right now, I have donut princess LA, as you were saying, it's a donut bouquet concept where we decorate and we, uh, deliver these amazing bouquets and arrangements so that we, number one, make it convenient for you to celebrate someone. And number two, it's just a little bit more of an upgrade than just flowers. I feel like I wanted a universal gift that could be gifted to men as well and make them feel really, really special on their day. And I came up with that concept because I like stuff like that. You know, who doesn't like a personalized handwritten card with like a beautiful pink matte box and something delicious inside? We also have our Turo business where we rent out cars. Uh, our fleet is currently at five cars, so it's doing super well. And it's, it's definitely a, a, a way to create, you know, passive income. I got certified with the state to sell life insurance. And I've been constantly been training and learning the sales side of it. You know, it's not selling donuts, but um, for this, it actually relates to my grandma I lost in January due to COVID. And um, so I feel like it's okay. It, it's, it's a thing that like, really, it's like COVID's real guys. Like I, like, it's not something that's made up in the news. Like many conspiracy theories have taught, but what it really got me present to was when someone dies, there are costs, there are traditions, there are things that need to be done. So I want to fill that service and need so that in case somebody doesn't have it set up for you, you don't want to leave your family with this financial burden. And I definitely saw that, you know, going through the death of my grandma. So just seeing that, you know, there is a need for that. Um, I am on the verge of two new businesses. Uh, one is the short-term Airbnb game, which, you know, I just took a master class on and I'm, you know, learning again, like all the things that are with that business. And the other one is an in-home care business. Again, this relates to my grandma. Um, if you guys know me really well, my grandma raised me for 16 years of my life. So she's definitely like an inspiration to me of her love and joy. Um, but 
it's also an issue that exists in American culture. It's like when you're in Asia, you live with your grandma and your parents, you take care of them, but we're in a different world here in America where the, the help is so needed because we're, you know, we're living more fast paced lives. We're living in different States. We're doing new things. So the in-home care business is supposed to connect both the skilled or unskilled workers with the families in need. So those are the things I'm currently up to. Also have my podcast short and sweet, which I've really kicked it up a notch and created my own podcast studio and really highlighting AAPI stories, small business tips. And the reason why I created that is as a young girl, I wish I had that resource growing up where I could, you know, see people that look like me that explores, like, you know, if you have a nine to five that you don't like, and you want to be an entrepreneur, this is what an entrepreneur had to go through. Here are some tips if you want to get into this industry. So yeah, that's what I'm currently up to right now. And I have my book that I just finally, finally put out and self-published. Awesome. This is Danny. Let's, let's uh, continue with that book, but before we do, Dave and I uh, are half Asian side. It is so true. Our grandmother raised us so that my father, our father, David and I, and our mother could work. And then it was just the, it's kind of touching because, you know, she passed away. Um, But I just remember the sacrifice that was made so that our parents put us in the best neighborhoods, the best communities, so that we have the best proper education, even to the part where we would go to certain areas and people would say, wow, your English is so well. How how can you speak so well? Where's your accent? (laughs) <laughs> and it's all because of what the, my parents put us through. And so when I look at what our grandparents did, especially my grandmother, my mom is doing the same thing. My little brother in Seattle has kids mm-hmm. and she is raising the kids so that the my brother and my sister-in-law can go to work. So she's doing the same tradition. She's carrying it on. And, um, and I really am touched by your need to have this um, in-home care network. So thank you very much for putting that together for all of us who do have a passion to take care of our relatives. That is something we look forward to. Um, so Mele, let's talk a little bit more about the book, an amazing, uh, an American dream with sprinkles, the legacy story of the donut queen and donut princess, no mother, no mother. I mean, no mother really wants to relive their painful past. And yet she had the courage displayed through the many sacrifices to help you draft this incredible story. So can you talk about your relationship with your mother and why you decided to collect her stories and put them in a book? I mean, I can only imagine the atrocities that your mother witnessed and went through in Cambodia. And and this book is also what I call an immigrant success story. It's highlighting some important values, including your family and your work ethic a belief in the American dream, as was talked about in the documentary, right? Coming to America, having this American dream, even with your uncle and having the president of the United States give an award for, I mean, I was like, wow, that's quite amazing. Amazing. But why did you honor your mother with this book about her journey, her escape from the genocide to America as a a Khmer refugee? So really, I think that this is kudos to you. I wish I could get my mother to, to open up a little bit more about her, her painful past, but the fact that you were able to do that, please tell the audience a little bit more. 
Well, just imagine I'm an eight-year-old girl, and this is the first time I'm hearing about the atrocities that happened in Cambodia. It really changed my view of my mom. Like I started to really develop compassion to her. Like, first of all, I couldn't believe that she had gone through that as an eight-year-old. I was like, really? Like I, I was like blown away, but I had all this information now in my head and I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I wanted to save it. I wanted to savor it somehow but I just didn't know. And at the time, you know, my, my dad, he really discouraged me from picking occupations that didn't make money. So one of the, which was a writer, a social worker working for the government. That was all no, you know, like my friend, my parents were like, you're going to be an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not. So I was kind of discouraged at that age of like, oh, you know, I want to write a book, but I, you know, didn't know how, but you know, nowadays it's so easy to write a book. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier to be able to self-publish instead of going with a traditional publishing house. And so my relationship with my mom, especially regarding the subject of collecting her stories, it was always just something that I mentioned like, oh yeah, like one day, like I want to write a book for you. And, you know, we never really entertained it until after we sold the shop. And I had more time on my hands and I was like, you know what, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to be done before May and I'm going to launch it in honor of Asian Pacific Heritage Month. And so I got to writing, um, you know, for my mom, a lot, I get asked the question a lot of, Hey, how do you get your parents to open up to you about what happened? It's really, really tough guys. Like, I think what happens is for us as first, second generation Asian Americans, we're like, just tell us about it. But for them, it's it's a few things. They don't want to relive it, number one. Number two, they're conditioned to be feared. Like they think the government's going to come back and get them for, for telling them exactly what happened. Number three, they don't know how to process their mental health. There are different outlets that you know, in the nineties might've been cool for them to do. Like, I feel like my mom's was like going to, going to Vegas and like gambling maybe, or like, you know, shopping, but it's not like they know how to process their feelings. Like we live it, we lived in a, in a childhood where like, I love you was not never really said it was, it was through food and, and acts of service. So getting the transcription of the basic part of the story was easy because I would be like, all right, mom, it was like just typing, hey, okay, what happened after this? Okay, typing. But what was hard was getting the details of, you know, the specificities that when you read a book, you want to be, you want to be back at that place of where they are. So it was like, you know, hey, mom, what, what color was this? You know, how did this make you feel? And I feel like uh, that was a hard part because either number one, she had forgotten or number two, the details were just like too hard to describe. So she kind of gave me a version and I had to kind of input a little bit more of like what it was like. And, you know, my mom, she, she learned English by working at a donut shop. She never went to school. So, you know, being able to put it in first person where she's telling this, I'm telling the story. It's like first, first person, like I, I am telling it, but it's her words. Um, being able to really come up with a cohesive way for people to follow. I mean, that was also pretty difficult too. And, um, but throughout the process, you know, she, she would always be like, is the book out yet? Is the book out yet? And I'm like, no mom, I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, like parents want things instantly gratified just as much as we do. And finally I was like, okay, 
I did it. We had an illustrator create the, the book cover, Mark Ramdaras. He's he actually went to DK's before and was very connected to the story. I had an editor look at it. Um, and before I knew it, I'm self-published on Amazon and um, in a few different bookstores at this time. Melee, congratulations on the book. And yeah. I'm really stunned because we can't get our mother to open up about our past. And I love how you said that some of them can't process what they went through. And when we talk about PTSD, when we talk about the stress and the trauma that our family may have gone through and experienced, to ask them to talk about it is, is almost impossible. But I think what I love is you not only were able to get her to open up, in the interview I saw of you and your mother, she talked about just how much you were just so loving. It was the way you got her to see the value of opening up her heart and her story. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, mom, I want you to relive this pain as much as, mom, you have something that's inspiring. You have something that can help so many more people. And we want to let people know about that. And I want people to know how much I love you and how proud I am of you. And that's what got her to open up. And I just want to say, I'm inspired by you. And it's really given me the 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 thought that I've got to go back and ask more for her and ask more about her and appreciate her in that way because our, our parents did make incredible sacrifices. So thank you for that. And for our listeners that are out there, you know that my twin and I are half Asian and and that side of the family, we can call it tiger moms if you want, but there was a sense of protection that they have. And part of that protection is not telling us what they're going through, not telling us about their struggles. And in some ways, making us feel like we could go after the world and take care of the world or go after our dreams, but we don't want them to feel forgotten. Um, I wanna ask you a little bit more about your book, if you don't mind, Mele. In, in the book, you had a section of the book entitled A Cambodian, a Cambodian rather, Cinderella Story. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about how your mother embodied this popular Disney character and how she became like a modern day Cinderella not just in your eyes, but when you think about all the other readers, the uh, fellow immigrants and refugees from Cambodia, how they would have seen that and saw themselves in that story. Can you talk about that chapter? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the book is in two parts. The first part is through my mom's lens and the second part is through my lens. And, you know, just imagine like you're an immigrant, you've gone through so many things, so many atrocities, you've gone through homelessness, famine, just literally abuse, and you finally make it to America. And then now what? So if you have traditional parents, which my grandparents were also very traditional, then the family that my mom was married to was also very traditional. There were different uh, plans for the daughter-in-law. You know, you're not just married in and and like you know you you're you're in there getting manicures and pedicures you know you're married to work you're married to serve you're like basically an indentured servant at that point and so what my mom had to go through and the reason why i titled the book uh one of the titles of the book a, a cambodian cinderella story because it was just that my mom would have to go to work at four she would come back home at like six she'd have to cook dinner for the entire family then she had to clean the house and she wasn't even allowed to go upstairs around eight until after eight o'clock and so she was basically expected to do all of this and to serve the dad side of the family and this was just how it was back that back in the day in traditional china and traditional cambodian is like 
the woman has to do all of that. And, you know, when I thought about the title of that the chapter, I thought when, when I watched Cinderella and seeing what Cinderella has to go through, literally her, the, the stepsisters are being really rude to her and making her do things. Um, you know, it was, it, it really, I wanted the audience to understand just a little bit of what it was like to be arranged to a family that was super traditional and to uphold these female women roles that might not be the same today. But just to see my mom go through all of those things, I knew I had to document it and show the value of, hey, thank God it's not like that anymore, where women aren't in charge of everything. And number two, just to really celebrate that she made it through there. You know, like there's another part of the story that I didn't really put in there that she told me that, you know, one day she had a whole bunch of Tylenols in her hand like she was ready to just she was going through it a lot both taking care of the family taking care of my brother who was just born you know taking care of the business being under just like skepticism and just always being made wrong and she had it in her hand you know like she thought about it and it just goes to show too that you know, this is not the only time this has happened. There are many times where people have these ultimatums and these things going on inside. And on top of that, she's got years of PTSD from the war. So the fact that, you know, she made it through that and we get to learn that lesson, you know, without going through it, I knew I had to put it in the book and I knew I had to really celebrate her for making it through. Mele, this is David, and I love that. And thank you for honoring your mother in that way. And you could tell that even in the the interviews, and I've heard you guys together on your YouTube channel, uh, just how happy she was to be able to see this project finally done, and to be able to get her story out there. And I just love how how tender she was, just the concern she had about will will this be good enough? Will this be helpful? And that's inspiring. I love that. I, I want to ask you, what did you learn from your mother that you didn't know about her during this process? Um, maybe you might want to highlight on some aspects of her leadership quality in terms of her ability to lead a business. Here's my mom, four foot 11, and I felt like she was the strongest woman in the world, right? That was my mom. Um, yeah. But what did you learn about your mother, either through growing up and watching her leadership in the business, or even more so through the adventure of writing the book? I learned a lot about her writing the book because of course there's me seeing what my mom does in her normal life. She's like super woman, right? She's mm -hmm. cooking, cleaning, like taking care of the business, like, and she's perfect. She's amazing. Um, but when I was writing the book and I was asking her more details, I got really clear on her dedication to her parents that even when they were starving, even when they were in the concentration camps, even when they were in the jungle trying to figure out how to like even survive, she was always the leader being the breadwinner. She was out there hustling, selling the Chinese donuts that she had to, that she had to make and she would sell them and then even to go to school. So just her dedication that even like when, you know, she, she's, she, there's a part in there where uh, it talks about her not liking needles, you know, she's really scared of needles. And the only way that she was able to get over it was her, her my, my grandpa, her dad was like, you know, you're, you're strong, you know, you're, you're tough, you, you can handle it. And it wasn't because of that. Well, it was because, you know, he wanted to, he, he said that 
And she held on to those words of, okay, well, in order to honor my parents, I'm not going to be scared of the needles. And so I learned that, you know, she has this amazing dedication to my grandparents, her parents. And that is definitely also a traditional Chinese value that I carry to this day. You know, I honor my mom. It might not be, you know, going to the river and catching fish, but it, it is in a different form. And now that we are here in America, um, another thing that I learned about my mom, you know, throughout the whole process is, you know, she was just a little girl when all of this happened in her country. And I think about, you know, when I was like nine years old or 10 years old, we don't know anything, you know, she looked fear straight in the eye time and time again with each of her businesses. And she has always been this supportive backbone for her family, whether that was for her parents or for my brother and I, and being able to support us to get a good education, you know, that was their main goal for us is like, I want you to get an education so you don't have to work as hard as I did and go through what I did. And I really, really appreciate her leadership and her dedication because it does, it, it's not easy to, to just have a successful business. It takes so much dedication, extra hours, extra thinking. Um, my mom is one of the most smartest people I know because she's always scheming something, not in a bad way, but she's always like five steps ahead of me. And I love it that, I mean, I hate and love that, right? But I'm, I'm really proud of her. And it was, it was such a great feeling to get to know her through a different lens writing this book um, because it was also what I wanted people to see about her too. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Greetings, incredible leaders and listeners. This is Danny Suk Brown, the co-host and one half of the Twins Talk It Up program. And I want to share a special announcement with you. Do you want to improve or master your communication and presentation skills? Do you want to overcome your fear of speaking? What could be the impact from you improving your public speaking skills? Could your value increase 15, 30, or even 50%? Can your potential income and salary increase as well? If you have ever asked yourself any of these questions, then I am pleased to announce that my identical twin brother and I have released our first book. And the book is entitled, Talk It Up, A Guide to Successful Public Speaking. For this month only, on Amazon, there's a special discounted price to celebrate the launch of our new book. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced speaker, this book will prove to be a great and valuable asset for your professional growth. And it also will increase your influence. Be sure to visit Amazon for the discounted price. Available in both paperback and ebook format. Not only are we offering Talk It Up, a guide to successful public speaking at a special price, we will be giving away a copy of our listeners. So, how do you get one of our copies? You must listen to our Twins Talk It Up podcast. You must comment. And then we will ask you to give a stellar review and reading, and you will get an opportunity to qualify for a free book. This will support our ability to continue to make great content. My twin and I are so thankful for your continued support 
We can't wait to hear from how this book is supporting and helping you to reach your goals. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny. I'm, um, many times when you were speaking, I was very touched. It just made me think about my mother and how she sacrificed so much for us. And also, as you said, for her being at such a young age to experience that. And you talked about the realness of what it was to have the pills in her hand. But yet she pushed through. And as Dave said earlier, the the small frame woman was the strongest person and the strongest character and the strongest um, person that you've ever known. And so I think that's very fascinating. And that's awesome. Uh, One of the things that happened during the pandemic that I'm very proud of is that I was able to start a nonprofit with two other friends. And we started a nonprofit scaling black owned tech firms uh, across America. And we also were able to create a program to provide a thousand IT projects called digital transformation projects for the inner city communities across America, and then create 800 net new tech jobs is our goal. Uh, So we're really excited about that. And I was able to bring David in uh, as well as the executive director to help run that program. And when when I bring this up because Sometimes we need to chase our passion. We know it's great to be an entrepreneur. You, you talk about it in your podcast and setting up ways where people can learn better, grow faster, scale faster. And we talk about your uncle and starting this great idea to help immigrants. But one of the things I thought was really fascinating is that you and your mother uh, have a, this philanthropic desire and heart. Why was it important for you and your mother to go back to Cambodia to help build and specifically help build temples there? Why was that so important to you? Well, number one, my mom is my role model and she was already doing it when I was a young girl. Um, She actually vowed that she would never go back to Cambodia because of the atrocities that she saw when she was there during the war. But when you go back to your country for the first time and you see that there's still so much poverty, like Cambodia has progressed a lot, especially in the main cities. But in terms of the villages, it's just, it's still stuck in a third world. It's, you know, it's really, really poor. Like you still, you still see a lot of kids running around with no clothes on because they can't afford it. Um, You still see people who travel like six hours to commute to work for, you know, pennies. Um, And I feel that she's always been that role model for me of like, she brought me to Cambodia and I got to see with my own eyes, like what's still going on there. And for me, the question was, what makes them different from me? You know, what, what if I was born there? What if I didn't get a chance to come to America and get an education and live this fabulous life? And I think like, what can I do to impact so that, you know, they can have a better chance, whether that's us donating food and supplies to schools, or, you know, we're also super spiritual. So my mom, she's found a lot of refuge in healing through being Buddhist. And so she and I built uh, our first temple in 2018. 
And it was such a beautiful ceremony. We invited like 800 monks. We invited all the elderly to come and receive like blessings and donations. And what it is, is like, we want them to know that there is this community, there is this structure, there is this spiritual energy that they can tap into when they're feeling, you know, not great or when they want hope. It's basically our way of giving back and leaving a legacy here, you know, before we go. And my mom and I are going to be building our second temple and it's the announcement and the ceremony is going to be in December of this year. And again, our goal is we want to make sure that if we're leaving a footprint on this earth, it's something that we both appreciate and resonate with. But if we can find healing through it, then I'm sure people also can find healing through it and hope. Melee, this is David. And I love how you said a footprint on this earth and that despite the pain that she went through, the challenges of coming here to America, to be able to see that I'm in a blessed position, I'm in a blessed uh, opportunity to be able to give back. And the fact that you've gone back and you say, hey, we're not just building a temple, we're actually giving back to our people, back to those who may not have what we have. And now you got this second temple going in this December. I love that. And, and I think for a lot of our listeners out there and for a lot of these business owners, to keep in mind that we have incredible responsibility. I know you hear oftentimes our entrepreneurs or business owners saying, well, I got to build this company because I have employees to take care of. Yeah, but we also have responsibilities to the communities that we live in, the communities that we want to be a part of and the communities that where we've come from. And that's why I think those are powerful stories. So I'm so inspired to hear about your mother's effort, her work, your support of her, the way you see her, uh, the way that you guys have come together in terms of your relationship. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, Mele, as we look at your book, we look at your work, now you're putting more work into your podcast. Uh, where do you want to see the podcast go? Short and sweet, a Donut Princess podcast. Is it going to continue to focus on providing strategies and tips for small business owners? Or what are you looking to do with that? And is there going to be a second book in the works? I think, I believe that my podcast in, you know, a few years will be again, like a resource where people can come and look at small business tips or connect with other entrepreneurs or feel inspired to get out of their nine to five and make a change. Um, I've been recently more focused on Asian American stories because number one, I feel like representation matters and to be able to be given the the power to have my own platform. I'm sure you guys know when you have your own podcast, you can talk about whatever you want, right? But it's like stuff that I care about that I'm pretty sure I would not see on TV. I, it's not about the ratings. This is about the value and the knowledge that either I have or my guest has that I want to just spread to the world. And the second book, I actually have a few ideas for the second book. Uh, I won't release it though and tell you. So you'll have to be on a cliffhanger. Too many inside scoop. <laughs> but um, I think that the things that I do moving forward will have to really do with my passions. And, you know, going through life, I've always been like, oh, I don't even know what my passion is. I don't know what my passion is. I think the big overarching theme is service to others. 
I don't know if that's because I grew up Buddhist and it's all about serving others, but there is a joy that I get from serving others. It fulfills me to know that if I pop into your life for a second and I leave and you, there's some change, like that means a lot to me. That's an impact. That's like, they're going to remember that, or it's, it's that little helpful tip along the way. And I feel that this world is, needs definitely more kindness and compassion. So if I can be an example of that for others, then, you know, I'll be happy with it. Melee, this is David. And I want to share with you and how excited that Dan and I are and honored to be able to have this conversation. I, I want to thank you for sharing about your family, your businesses, you didn't even touch on the purple yam uh, donuts, which are personally more of the Asian flavored favorites. But I just want to throw that out there. Uh, we admire your mother. And as you were speaking today, it made me feel so much more about my mother and how much I appreciate her strengths and the things that she did in silence. And that made me feel like we have so much more to give. And I want to thank you for that. And what a great tribute to write a book honoring her life, talking about what she's done, acknowledging the sacrifices that she's made, talking about the ability to relate to all these other families who've gotten their own immigration story, who've gotten their own idea and sense of, of where what they've done through their children. And so I wanna thank you for sharing that with us. I wanna to say to our audience today, if you get a moment right after this podcast, make sure you pick up her book, go to Amazon, and find the book, An American Dream with Sprinkles, the legacy story of, a, of the donut queen and donut princess. Mele, thank you for joining my brother and I on Twins Talk It Up. It's been a wonderful time with you today. Thank you so much for having me and keep doing what you're doing and go call your moms, you know? She's, she's around, tell them how much you love her and do something exciting for her. They've done so much for us. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.